This is the Data Privacy Detective. It's June the 4th, 2019, and today we have with us Victoria Beckman. Victoria, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Joe. Uh, Victoria, now you co-chair the Privacy and Data Security Group of Frost Brown Todd, a, a large U.S. law firm in, in 12 cities, over 500 lawyers. And I think you also chair its uh, Latin America desk. Is that right? That's correct. And uh, so in that capacity, you travel throughout the Americas and advise clients on, on privacy. And, and, and what else? Uh, what other matters? Uh, privacy and compliance with privacy laws throughout Latin America, um, but also some business and intellectual property matters uh, that, that are involving cross-border transactions. Very good. Well, we're going to talk about some very interesting ones. Uh, one of the ones that came up is really quite interesting was uh, a company called GED Match. It's uh, one of those genealogy companies where you can find out who your ancestors are, this sort of thing. And uh, how did this have to do with the search for the Golden Bridge Killer? Well, so uh, this company was providing law enforcement access to the database to do uh, crime investigation in general. One of those uh, was related to the Golden Gate Bridge killer, but also there was uh, some killing or assault of an elderly woman in Utah. And after they, after some of the users realized that they were providing the information, uh, it was without the, their consent, this website, GED Match, decided to change their privacy policy um, to so that the users now have to explicitly obtain for the DNA profiles to be included in law enforcement searches, which is something that the major um, websites for genealogy have done, but this website hadn't done. Um, and, and the importance of this story, I guess, is that it, it reflects how important a privacy policy could be for a website and for a company, uh, especially now that we are expecting the enforcement of the California Consumer Privacy Act. Uh, it is important to review privacy policies and make sure that they accurately reflect your internal processes and that you are doing or not doing what you say in your privacy policy um, so that, you, that you're transparent with your policy, that your users are informed, are giving the appropriate consent, and that you are telling them how you're collecting the information, how you're storing it, who you're sharing it with. Um, so all of that, all of that is important and all of that should be reflected in the privacy policy. Right. So uh, this is one, uh, as far as you know, where was the company sharing the information without a warrant uh, issued yes. by the, by, by a judge. So they were voluntarily sharing the information with, with law enforcement, of course, for a noble purpose to try to catch the Golden Bridge killer. But meanwhile, they're supplying personal data of people who didn't think they would be doing that. That's the basic lesson? Correct. Yeah. And and what have you seen with other clients then? Uh, uh, of course, about a year ago, May of uh, 2018, the, 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 the great uh, European uh, Union rules kicked in, the GDPR that uh, many of our listeners are very familiar with. And of course, that led to a lot more uh, beefing up of privacy policies, even here in the States. Is that what you saw? Right. Right. With, with the... Um the GDPR becoming effective last year, there was a lot of um, 
there were a lot of companies that changed their privacy policies, including outside of the European Union. Now we're reviewing the same privacy policies to incorporate the California Consumer Privacy Act. Um, and, and, and that one comes into effect next year, but already companies are scrambling to comply with it. It's a little quite different, isn't it, from the uh, European approach? Yeah, yeah. And compliance with GDPR does not mean that you will be complying with CCPA. There right. Some significant differences, and yes, companies now we're advising clients. Um, they may not publish the privacy policies right now that relate to California, but they are definitely reviewing those, updating them, and getting ready to be able to respond to access requests by by individuals to give them the opportunity to opt out. Um, so, so it's definitely a change that we've been seeing in the last yeah. few years. So if you're sharing, if, if, if consumers are sharing their DNA for uh, companies like 23andMe or GED Match and so on, uh, they should be told uh, who else might end up with it. That's the basic lesson here, right? Correct. <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about another one. Give their consent if they want, and that's how they change the policy. Yeah, that, that, you, that the consumer would actually have to consent to uh, this kind of sharing. Correct. Okay. Well, let's talk about one out of Australia. Now, this was kind of interesting. Uh, you told me about a, a, a gentleman, an employee who uh, got sued because the company had put in uh, fingerprint scanners and he just wouldn't use them, right? And what happened in his case? Right. Um, this is an interesting case. This is an Australian man, Jeremy Lee. Uh, in 2018, he was fired from his job because he refused to use the company's fingerprint scanners to sign in and out of his work. He then filed a lawsuit with the Australia Fair Work Commission saying that his um, firing was unfair, but the commission initially reviewed the case and ruled in favor of his employer saying that the fingerprinting policy was reasonable so that the employees were obligated to comply with it. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mr. Lee decides to appeal that decision. And um, uh, last last month, the commission actually ended up ruling in his favor, saying that he was wrongfully dismissed because they agree with his argument that once that biometric information is digitized and is in the control of the company, it will be very difficult to contain it's used by third parties or for commercial purposes. Well, you get the same issues there. What if the employer decides to share it with law enforcement without his knowing it, and now his fingerprints are out there, and all kinds of things could happen? Well, this this raises the whole issue of biometric data, and we saw recently how San Francisco uh, adopted uh, an ordinance against uh, facial uh, recognition, and you know, what are you seeing in the United States in that area? Uh, well, we're growing. We are seeing a growing amount of states that are enacting biometric privacy laws. We start with Illinois, that is the stricter one of them, uh, and we have Texas and Washington. And um, we have about 19, 20 states that have incorporated biometric data into their definition of personal information, which means that if there is a data breach, then um, it requires notification to affected individuals if it includes this biometric information. Um, 
And just like with the privacy policies, in terms of what uh, or how that affects our clients or companies in general, is that they have to have a biometric policy if they're collecting this information in, in this state, um, but also determine what information is being collected, for what purposes, um, if the company has the practical and, and technical measures in place for safeguarding this information. And ensuring that it complies with industry standards, um, and, um, and and reviewing this policy is also to obtain consent from the employees uh, and track that consent, have have that consent in writing. So there, there is a lot of implications, um, and and there is a, a also an increase in the use of these kinds of this kind of technology to track employees. You know, like clocking in and out of work. So, Right. Well, you know, there are computers and iPhones that, as an option, allow you to, to enter them through uh, use of a fingerprint. Uh, but as far as I know, that tends to be optional. You can still use a username and password and get in in general uh, for those. But this may be caution for those businesses thinking of going exclusively to uh, biometric uh, identification. Would that be one of the lessons here? Yeah, and I, I think I think also to consider is the issue of consent and how, um, I mean, how much consent I guess you're giving if you think that your employment depends on whether or not you give that information. Yeah, some people may just not be willing to do it, and we'll see how the United States courts and uh, employee uh, organizations uh, respond if somebody says, wait a minute, uh, you can't make me give my fingerprint. That, that That's a caution for people to think about. Right. Let's talk about one more development uh, recently, uh, Victoria. This came from Senator Hawley, a uh, senator from uh, Missouri, and he introduced uh, a, a do not track bill. What's that about? Right. So he introduced this Do Not Track Act that if approved, and granted it hasn't been approved, uh, will give Internet users the ability to opt out of allowing, allowing their personal data to be tracked. And um, it's kind of the same concept that a do not, do not Call list. So it will be a Do Not Track list. <laughs> and according to the Act, the, the text of the Act, um, it says that no later than six months after the date of enactment of the act, the FTC, which will be the Federal Trade Commission, yeah. correct, mm -hmm. Federal Trade Commission, uh, should implement and enforce this do not track system to protect consumers from unwanted online data harvesting and targeted advertising. Um, so it's saying that the Federal Trade Commission and the state attorney generals will have the authority to enforce this, this legislation. Um, and it has pretty hefty fines because also in the text of the, of the act, it explains that companies could face a minimum of a hundred thousand dollars fine or up to one thousand dollars per day per affected person if they knowingly violate the rules. Um, and for negligent violations, it could be, um, as much as, as I believe fifty dollars, fifty dollars per day per person. And do you know under uh, under the bill as it's been introduced, if, if a consumer though uh, consents to uh, allowing data to to be used to track, then there's no penalty and it's okay to do it or or not. Right, as long as you have consent. Uh, I mean, 
the majority of the and we have a difference in consent when he talks when it comes to GDPR. But in this yeah. particular case, it works just like the phone. Do not call list. If you don't enroll in that, then you're allowing them to to track you. Okay, so we'll see how that fares in Congress. Victoria, thank you very much for updating us on these uh, these measures. Uh, it, it, very interesting how data privacy is just uh, would you wouldn't you say on the rise uh, in terms of significance to people and uh, maybe to the politicians. Definitely, I think it was about time, <laughs> but I'm also uh, I also see that it's always changing. Uh, there are new challenges, new things with new technology comes questions that we didn't even think about, new uses of technology, um, and with with data breaches and, and all these scandals. Um, I guess on the one hand, some people may be desensitized to all of this, and uh, but, but for some other people has definitely raised awareness of how important it is to even know what companies are doing with your information. Well, that's for sure, and I'll conclude now by uh, what I always say at the end, and that is this. Protecting your personal privacy begins with you. Victoria, thanks much. We'll talk to you soon another time. Thanks for inviting me. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.